What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Dogs and Hogs. I'm your host, Bobby Andrews. We've got Russ Tanner, as usual, and we've got a very special guest on today. Drew Butler, former Georgia Bulldog and former punter in the NFL. Drew, thanks for coming on. Uh, Russ, any greetings for your friend here? Hey, man. Georgia royalty. It's been in his blood a long time. My man was All-American himself and uh, one of the greatest punters that uh, that uh, ever came through Athens, Georgia. And uh, there's not many kickers and punters that I like and actually invited to <laughs> the show, but uh, Drew is definitely one of the few. So, uh, yeah, we hit up a couple of months ago. It's a barbecue. He watched some of the reviews we do. And uh, we'll hit up, talk about Fox Rose a little bit later on. But, yeah, he uh, he was gracious enough to join us tonight. And uh, to, my, to my bulldog brother, Drew Butler, man, thank you very much for jumping on, my dog. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Appreciate the invite, man. Bobby, great to meet you and uh, thrilled to be here on UGASports.com. Shout out to Roddy Nabolsi. It's really where I got my start uh, in the media game, so glad to join you guys. Yeah, Roddy's sitting back there running the boards. He'll be, he'll be throwing some stuff up here for us today. Drew, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Absolutely. We'll, we'll, We'll certainly want to, you know, hit on some some current Georgia stuff. You know, we got the Senior Bowl going on. Mike McDonald, you know, UGA grad, and yep. uh, Cedar Shoals, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, just coach at Cedar Shoals. Coach, coach at Cedar Shoals. He he went to Centennial High School here in Roswell. That's yep. right. That's what it was. So yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of different pieces to fall um, today. Got a, a lot of different conversations going on. Fans, feel free to leave comments. Any questions uh, for Drew or any questions you have for us? We'll uh, probably have an opportunity to get to him here at yep. some point today. So um, let, let's, let's start the show off though, because we talked about Roddy. We talked about Drew getting his start through Roddy UGA sports being a big part of that. And uh big news in the sports media world this week. And uh, a lot of people here don't even know who it is, but the guy that helped Roddy get his start, Claude Felton, who has been at UGA longer yeah. than Uga has been um, retired this week. Sports information director, one of the greatest dudes you'll ever meet. Probably the okay. kindest man I've ever been around, but uh, cheers to Claude Felton. I think it was about 40 years at UGA that uh, he worked there in the sports information department. So, uh, you know, happy trails to a, a dang good dog in Claude Felton. So, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Claude, you'd have to think that he's up there on the Mount Rushmore of Georgia figures. Coach Dooley, Dan McGill, an Irk Russell type. And then, of course, Claude, who spent so much time at the university. Everybody knows him. Uh, everybody respects him. He was super gracious to me during my time there. And then, of course, Russ, you can speak to your time there. But going back to Roddy, any media member, like across the country, I texted one of my buddies who's a national broadcaster for ESPN that Claude was retiring, and he just texted me back the best of the best. Like that That's how highly regarded Claude is. So happy retirement to him for sure. Damn good dog. Well, it's funny. I heard I saw Roddy in one of his tweets today saying that Claude was one of the first guys to credential people at Rivals and a lot of places like that. You know, you think wow. about like Rivals, the two four sevens, like all these places that have just been behemoths in the recruiting world and now are the college football news cycle that we all follow so much. Claude Felton was one of the first guys to bring those people on. So, you know, even people like me and you, man, like literally – Claude was doing sports information at UGA before you were twinkling your daddy's eye. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, saw, he had the foresight to know about that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I appreciate Claude Felton helping us be here. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we get to talk about a lot of current stuff. It was funny, Drew, with, uh, you know, Bobby and Bobby and Ryan and I were texting today just about the show and just what we talk about. And, you know, it's a lot easier during football season to be able to come up with topics. But, man, the college football world never stops. No. The news involved, the things we get to talk about, like by the time we got through going through the rundown, there's like five or six big things with UGA. And uh, I mean, you've got you've got the list, man. Where do we start? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, we'll hit on some some Mike McDaniel or McDonald and stuff like that in a little yeah. bit. But uh, obviously, right now we got the senior bowl going on. I think that is the most important thing uh, to talk about. And I, I think the one of the biggest storylines from the senior bowl, if not, you know, for specifically Georgia sports yeah. is Vlad McConkey yeah. tearing, tearing, it up, it up. tearing it up. I mean, and you know, there's a lot of guys out there that there's that tweet from AD Mitchell about, you know, ESPN wrote these articles about, you know, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint and uh, Lad McConkey about how lad may slip into the late first round after yeah. what they saw. Wow. I mean, just if you just look at his route running ability, it was, I mean, and, and you know, we've watched Georgia football, so we've seen this all before, but there are people out there, I guess, scouts who, how do you not pay attention to the number one football team in, in all of college football for the last three years? Like, how did they not see Lad McConkey? How, how is this their, 
you know, their baptism into seeing Lad McConkey play football. Well, it, well, it's not their baptism into seeing Lad play football. But Lad, here's the things that work against Lad. Right, one, he was injured some this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was back a good bit, and he's not a big guy. And then let's just be honest; it is what it is. Every white wide receiver gets compared to another white wide receiver. No doubt. So Lad gets compared to, oh, he's another Julian Edelman. Oh, he's another Tim Dwight. Oh, he's another this. Wes Welker. Wes Welker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lad is different than most of those guys. Lad is not a possession, sit in the slot, and just try to get you five or six tough yards and be a greedy lunch pail guy. I don't know if Roddy can pull up any of the, the stuff that Lad's been doing at the Senior Bowl or some of his tweets, some of his uh, the stuff this year. Man, he just cooks people on the field. Yeah, Lad's quick. He's a technician, you know, and I I, I don't say that to to bring up the adjectives that people use when they're describing white wide receivers, but there's a lot to be said for being a crisp route runner. I would assume that a lot of the national media that are seeing Lad in action in these one-on-one drills probably believe that his success was a product of the guys that he was around, right? People usually think, hey, when Lab breaks a big one during a game, it's because somebody else was double covered or somebody else was commanding a lot of attention. But what you see here is he's just breaking dudes off at the Senior Bowl. And these are the top guys who are going to go drafted in this year's NFL draft. So, look, Lad, this is what he went up against every single day in practice. And I think, Russ, when you go back to a practice at Georgia, and this is nothing against the teams that we played on under Coach Rick, things are just so different now. You compare them to how an NFL practice is run, no second is wasted. And probably just most importantly, and and this is – different than really any college football team in the last 15 years is just the depth of talent at Georgia. I mean, every rep is a quality rep at practice. Uh, and this is just another day for lads. So it's really cool to see him shine in a big moment like that with all these cameras around. I mean, you, you're hundred percent right. And I mean, you know, you, Kirby, you hear Kirby talk a lot about good on good and you know, for a long time in college football, Typically, your best players go against the scout team. And, and these guys still practice against the scout team, too. But they do a lot more competition good on good. And you think yeah. about the guys that – like, let's think about who Ladd has gone up against in practice the last few years. I mean, just this year, right, one of the two or three best safeties in the country in Malachi Starks. Javon Bullard, who I saw stuff on him at the senior he's bowl. He's a dog. Right? He is a freaking dog. And he's fast. He clocked like 21 or 22 miles an hour today at the senior bowl. Kamari yeah. Lasseter is like a prototypical NFL DB. Yeah, Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo, lock you up. Right now. I mean, you've got guys over and over and over again that Ladd has been up against, and he absolutely cooks them. His quickness and his ability to come in and out of his breaks is is elite. And and I would bet you, I don't know what Ladd runs, but I bet you he surprises people. There's a lot of people that think Ladd's going to run, oh, I bet he's a 4'6 guy, but he's quick. I bet you Ladd runs like a 4'4 at the combine. Yeah, and here's the best part, too, with, with the attention that Lad is getting. He is the talking point of all these scouts and all these personnel guys and all these coaches at the Senior Bowl because let's get one thing straight. Yeah, the coaches are down there, and they're doing their jobs. But right now at 8.09, they're probably wrapping up some of their meetings, and they're heading straight to whatever steakhouse is around. They're all going to the bar. They're talking, and they're enjoying each other's company, and they're discussing, hey, who's flashing? And you better believe Lad McConkey's name is being thrown around those types of conversations. And that only helps him and his draft stock. Yeah. I mean, we talked, you know, you mentioned Javon Bullard. There was actually a clip. I don't know if Roddy has it close by or anything like that, but there was a clip of Lad going against Bullard today. At the senior bowl? Yeah. Today. And uh, I mean, you know, kind of, kind of burnt bullard a little bit but uh <laughs> you can't cover and there, there's look the amount of people that can cover lad in one-on-one situations on the planet right yeah it ain't many yeah so and, the, yeah. and that drill that drill is you know a little advantageous to the wide receivers as Absolutely. well. Yeah. okay thank you so just like you know these dbs are out there going like you know I'm, I'm putting i'm being put on the rerun screen on nfl network but um you know scouts and coaches understand that as well Right. You know, the crazy thing is, and just, and this is where you're going to realize how good Lad is. Like Lad's size, I think they said it was like 5'11 and a buck 75. And just being injured some this year, those are the reasons he's being, you know, kind of put, has been pushed down that draft board a little bit. Yeah. You know, we, we like to, as fans, like talk about the white boy wide receiver, yada, yada, yada. The NFL don't care at all. <laughs> like, no. They don't care at all. I mean, they don't care what it's you look Cooper like. Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper Cup's one of the best wide receivers in the league. 
Yeah. And that's probably a good, that's probably a really good comp for Lad if you're going to compare it to a white wide receiver. Absolutely. He's not as big as Cooper Cup, but a very similar type player. Makes a lot of things happen when he goes, who is this? Is it, it, Jamal it, Lord? If I you mean, hear yeah. Matthew Stafford talk about Cooper Cup, you know, Cooper Cup was a quarterback, I think, in high school, and he might have played quarterback in college a little bit too. And Stafford just discusses the way he runs routes, the way he rubs DBs when he's running those routes, uh, his anticipation of where the ball is going to be, and maybe how to bend a specific route to get open. Stafford's like, it's invaluable because that kind of football IQ paired with that type of athleticism, it's what makes him one of the best in the league. So Lad's, Lad's going to have a long NFL career just for the reasons Drew's talking about right there. But then I, I love the fact that we talked about Rosemary Jack Saint, by the way. In the in the age of transfers, in the age of prima donnas, and all these things that we as fans look at and get aggravated with, like Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint has been a dude all year long. Oh, yeah. That, his whole career. He does whatever the coaches tell him. Like, you want to do the blocks, check him out. You want to do who ain't afraid to go up in the middle and go up high and get a ball and just get slapped by safety coming up, he'll go get it. So to see the Clippins, like Roger's got up right here showing that, you know, he's out there doing his thing in practice. Like, he's a guy, guys like that, by the way, they may get on an NFL roster and play 12 years in the league. Oh, yeah. He's a yeah. huge dude. Yeah. No question. First couple of years, get on teams, and, and then you start getting in, mixed into a little third down package or whatever, Russ, and then you get your big break. And like you said, 12 years later, you're looking up and you're like, that was a pretty good career I just put together. Yeah. So – you know, it's it, you look at this year for Georgia and you think, oh, man, the, the draft class and all as high as it was. And maybe you don't have, obviously, you don't have the Jalen Carters in this class, that high-end stuff. You may not have five first-round guys. But, geez, you start looking at it real quick. You know, Brock, clear first-round guy, probably a top-ten pick as a wide receiver. Yeah. I, I think after this week, and depending on how Lad runs at the combine stuff, he's probably going to end up being a first-round guy. And then, you know, Marius Mims. I mean, Marius Mims. Top 10 pick for sure. Top 10 pick off of the way that his body looks. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and I mean that as a happily married man. I mean, (laughs) you just see that dude like with with the there. There ain't there's probably not three or four people on the planet that are better built to be a left or right. A a tackle in the NFL than a Marius Mims. So, yeah, I forgot about him. I'm glad you brought him up. I mean. That dude is going to be, I, by the way, I love these clips of Lad. Just, he is just freaking cooking people. Yeah. It, you're talking about SEC defensive backs, and he just turns them around. It's like little boy football in the backyard. And, and this, this is what NFL coaches spend all spring, all OTAs, all training camp teaching young wide receivers what to do. And, and it looks like Lad's about a really big step up, which would then catapult him into, hey, let's get this guy some first and second team reps during training camp rather than let's just spend some extra time after practice trying to get his mechanics right. So, I mean, he, he's going to be uh, a, a, a great NFL wide receiver, I think. Yeah. And and tonight, so before this, I produced a podcast for Tate Ratledge and Brett Thorson. And Brett Thorson was, nice. came on the show tonight we recorded tonight and he was talking about I think it was his first experience punting when lad was still on you know he was still on the punt team um and he was telling a story about when lad was running right at him and he hit him with a double move right but Brett hadn't even registered the first move yet so he just (laughs) stayed put and all the all the coaches were like, "Hey, good," because he he ended up tackling Lad, and they were like, "Hey, you know, good read." And he's like, "I I, I didn't even <laughs> register the first move; I just stayed put." And he ended up running into me. He ran me. into me. Yeah. So it was it's just another funny story about just like how Lad is just so quick and clinical, and like it's it yeah, it's unbelievable. All right. So we we've got we've got some of our our comments over here. We got a few followers checking us out. They'll they'll keep coming. All right. Here here's the thing for my followers. Here's their question for the night. Do, do you think you have a better chance in a one-on-one situation of guarding Lad McConkey or getting past Amaris Mims in pass rush? I mean, it's <laughs> for the commenters, uh, that's a tough one to pick. I mean, Amarius Mims, once he puts your hands on you, you're, you're over. And then I have no idea the athleticism of some of our commenters, but, you know, <laughs> 
get 12 yards behind Lab McConkey, let him run, maybe hope he trips. Like that's your only hope. That's about that's it. Your only hope, right? That's got to be the answer. I think I'm, you know, I'm I'm like five eleven, six foot. I think I I could probably crawl under Mims. I think at nah. that point, <laughs> I think that may be my best shot in, in both of those scenarios. Well, but, it just, but but it's fun to talk about all these guys that are going to the draft. You know, Cedric Van Pran, Granger. I mean, George going to end up with eight or ten guys drafted again. I know. When, People talk about it's a down cycle. And you got people like Tate Routes who came back. You got three or four guys that came back that would have been draft picks as oh, well. Yeah. So, so the cupboard, the cupboard, you know, is loaded at Georgia, even with guys like that's going to the league. Um, so, you know, it's fun looking ahead to next year, but you look at some of the guys leaving and say it out loud, like Georgia's gonna have some gaps next year they've got to fill in. And uh, you know, you're excited for these guys going to going to the league now, and it's fun to watch what they're doing at the, the pro the uh, not the Pro Bowl. Senior Bowl, yeah, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's fun times to watch them. I, I love it. Did you do Did you do Pro Bowl or anything like that, Drew? I did Senior Bowl. Yep. Um, so pro I was Bowl. down in Mobile. Right. I said Pro Bowl three times. Uh, <laughs> our kicker that year was Randy Bullock from Texas A and M, and then on the other side it was the punter from Wisconsin and the kicker from Purdue. So you know, we all just hang out. Oh, here's a good story. Here's a good Senior Bowl story for you. Um, our coaching staff that year, the South team coaching staff, this was 2012, was the Washington Redskins. So the head coach was Mike Shanahan. OC was Kyle Shanahan. Tight ends coach was Sean McVay. Quarterback coach was Matt LaFleur. Uh, DB's coach was Raheem Morris. Offensive assistant was um, Bobby Slowick. Wide receiver coach was Mike McDaniels. All these guys who are getting head jobs uh, are now head coaches in the NFL. Too bad I'm too old and not, no longer good at punting because maybe I could have hit one of them up and gotten a job. But uh, yeah, that's that like famous coaching staff that's getting all these jobs. That was our coaching staff for the senior bowl that year. So what was your mindset that week? I mean, did you feel pressure? Because I mean, being, being a punter going to something like this, right? Like you're hoping yeah. to get drafted, but being a specialist, there's only two or three Sebastian Janikowski's in the world. Yeah. Right? They have a leg, before you know, you're going to get drafted. Like what was what was your mindset in that week? Like how did you approach a week like that? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because it's so much different for a specialist heading into a week like that because you get 15 minutes of special teams practice before the practice starts and then there's only one field, you're you're done. I mean, it's it's like 15 minutes, everybody's out there watching you. You never see these clips on NFL Network. Nobody <laughs> ever tweets out about the kicker and punter. Uh but it's good on good NFL style punting, which thankfully we did at Georgia. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to have those types of scouts, personnel, coaches put you through those types of drills. Um, and then you most importantly get to meet with them afterwards. So um, my year, I went, Ben Jones went, and Brandon Boykin went. I think that was the three from Georgia. Yep. That, those are two dogs, too, right there, by the way, Ben Jones and Brandon Dude, Boykin. Dude, Brandon Boykin, one of my all-time favorite guys, on our first punt in the Senior Bowl game, he broke his leg. What? I know. I was like, damn, that's why he slid to like the fourth round. Roddy might know when Boykin went, but he slipped down in the draft. It was on the first punt. It was like a slight kind of fracture. Uh, he tripped and then it was on that old field in Mobile. Uh, I felt terrible. He was like, dude, it's not your fault. Um, but that was on the first punt of the senior bowl game. Boykin got hurt. Dang. By, by the way, I can't, if, if my people are willing to comment, I saw Nicholas Swain. What our guys a minute ago. He said he's 6'2", 230. Not that fast. So he's going to have to take his chances with Mims. <laughs> right. yeah, that'll that'll I, we, fare well for you. Nicholas is a big have, button pass fan, too. So shout out to Nicholas. Show. We would have yeah, a great show of just watching the average what the average viewer of the Dogs of Halls podcast try to go get some Maris Mims. That there would be go. amazing. Too. That would be great. Good content right there. All right. Let's stick with some UGA, some some current UGA stuff before we All move right. on right here. Um, you know, let's uh, – we got – as you mentioned, there's a lot of guys who who are returning. You, you talked about a down year a little bit with, with some of these guys who are, you know, going to the league and stuff like that. We've got some guys coming back for UGA. What are our chances this season? You know, you've brought up, you know, Carson Beck maybe for Heisman, some, some things like that, like – with this 12-team playoff especially, Drew, I, we'll get your thoughts on the 12-team playoff as well. Like, w what are expectations for this Georgia football team this year? Um, I mean, they're, again, I think missing the playoffs for anybody that's a Georgia fan right now is not even something they're contemplating, right? Especially, especially with 12 teams. Yeah, 100% right. Especially with 12 teams, especially with Harbaugh gone, especially with Saban gone. You know, you, you got to feel like Georgia has probably the most talented roster in college football. Ohio State is loading now. Yeah. I and mean, they're loading through the portal specifically. Um, 
they're going to be really good. But overall, the depth of talent Georgia has, and then just you got to trust with with where Kirby's at. So I mean, at, at minimum, being in the playoff is. I think the baseline that Georgia fans, I don't even, I don't even consider us not making the playoffs. Right. I mean, obviously who knows what can happen, but I mean, I think the expectations are going to be as high as ever. I think as long as Kirby's where he's at and Georgia recruits the level, which they recruit at the expectation every year is that they're going to compete to play for a national championship. Yeah. And that's going to be no different next year. And, and that should be the expectation, by the way, talent everywhere. And when you've got Carson Beck, you've got a talented experienced quarterback coming back. The expectations are high. And that's and that's warranted. So, you know, it's going to be boom or bust as far as fans are concerned next year. It's either win everything or you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think too the urgency that Georgia's going to have this offseason with the schedule that they're going up against in 2024 will be very helpful from a motivation factor for Kirby. I mean, opening the season in Atlanta against Clemson, you got to go on the road at Alabama, on the road at Texas. Uh, and then, of course, your usual suspects in the SEC, your Tennessees, your Auburns, which you can never take for granted, uh, the Florida game. But Carson Beck leading the odds board right now in the preseason Heisman Trophy odds. Uh, Trevor Etienne, he's going to be a great addition on the offensive Ooh. side of the ball. It's huge that Tate Ratledge came back to have that leadership on the offensive line. Uh, you'd like to see them develop a little bit more depth at the defensive line position, but you know, they're going to have dogs all over the field. You know, guys continue to step up too. like, you always hear those names. Hey, somebody's flashing during spring ball. And then, Hey, this guy's having a great camp. And that just comes from the development of this coaching staff. You know, I don't think Scott Sinclair gets enough credit, our strength and conditioning coach. Like these guys are absolute freaks. Whenever I get to go to practice, I'm like, what is going on? Like it, it is, it's really special, the development that goes on at Georgia. And I think it's something that they sell on the recruiting trail too. Like, you know, it's, it's a good thing for all Georgia fans and for, for the university that they don't get into these NIL bidding wars, because at the end of the day, the coaches can look at these kids and go, Hey, here's what you're going to get. Uh, oh yeah. And then you're going to get developed and then you're going to be a top draft pick. And then you're going to play for championships. If you want more than that, th then this ain't the place for you. So it, it's just really good to see how these kids show up, how they get developed, how they continue to bring it. Uh, but when you factor all that in, I, I think with the talent, with the depth, depth is going to be the biggest thing ever, because I believe the national championship game next year in Atlanta is like January 21st. 22nd. I mean, that is a long, a long season. season. You better have some depth. You better have the right staff around your players to make sure that they're healthy and that they're peaking at the right time. And you'd have to make the argument that Georgia's maybe best position for that than anybody in the country. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I 100% agree. You, you, you think about the losses Georgia has. I mean, the biggest losses you feel like right now, as far as the guys that are leaving, are going to be in the offensive skill position situation right you're talking about brock bowers lad mcconkey specifically rosemary jackson and a couple others there but those guys being gone those are going to be the places to where you feel the pain the most no Look who's coming back though you've got some dudes that are that have been productive and are good and then what george done the portal etn london humphreys you know they've got five or six guys coming in that you feel good about but i mean you you know we got the, the graphic up right there Quinn Ewers and Carson Beck are the two front runners as far as vegas is concerned yeah for the uh for the heisman next year and then after that, you got a bunch of transfers after uh, uh, what you call it after Milroy right there. So, you know, three knows? to one Georgia to win the national championship three to one right now. I mean, that's that's telling you Vegas is respecting the dogs a ton heading into next season. All right. So I'm a I'm a I'm an idiot when it comes to betting. I've never bet on sports in my life. So you guys here know a little bit more. So when you see plus 300. Is that what it means? If you bet three to one in 300. Yeah, yeah it's just three to right. one. Yep. Huh. Yep. Learn something new every day. I learned, I learned, I learned something. Um, them, old, them old Atlanta boys taught me something. I appreciate it. So that. what is Oregon? What is Oregon at plus 1,200? I guess that's 12 to 1. Good job. There you go. It ain't, that hard. it ain't that hard, apparently. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think this is a perfect segue into talking about a, a, a law that's trying to get passed yeah. here. Sports betting is we're, we're getting close sports betting kind of being legalized in the state of Georgia thoughts opinions I'm not a sports better myself yeah um, well partly because it is uh, obviously illegal in the state of Georgia uh, however Smart. you know <laughs> thoughts on sports betting being legalized in Georgia and also apparently 
it's it's like the lottery. So the earnings will go towards the Hope Scholarship and stuff like that. So there there's some there's some good stuff to come out of it. But sports betting is a little iffy on it. Well, that's what the politicians are telling us. I don't trust them at all. Um, I mean, right there, the uh, the bill. It doesn't it doesn't do much for me because <laughs> like I know plenty of dudes that bet on sports in the state of Georgia already, and yeah. I don't think that legalizing <laughs> it's gonna gonna change a whole lot there i mean i, I think about a buddy he's like yeah, if you want to get in man i can call my bookie like, yeah it's not hard <laughs> to, to place a bet now if you if that's what you want to do so you know i don't know i think the bigger the bigger change for georgia sports next year is they're gonna sell alcohol in sanford stadium yeah, yeah for um, sure you know you start selling alcohol then allow people to bet live maybe that's a different <laughs> deal um you but, can't you don't have what well, i i can't give anything in sanford stadium i can't send a single text so doubt these people are going to be able to bet while they're in the middle of a game that is the worst thing about sanford you can't get a single yeah the, the connectivity inside sanford stadium is a little bit tough we got to see if we could uh you know maybe write enough letters to josh brooks really fill up his email inbox and say put a nice little wi-fi router in there but uh the sports betting law you know i thought it was close last year and it all comes down to how is it going to benefit the state that's the thing russ you said it people are gambling like there's no doubt about it I know the politicians, one, wanted to make sure that it was just a sports betting law. They don't want to do horse racing. They don't want to open it up to casino licenses either. And, of course, like, okay, I'm fine with that. So it'd be retail sports betting. I believe the professional sports teams, Atlanta Motor Speedway and Augusta National, they get a license, and then it leaves like seven spots for your fan duels, DraftKings, BetMGM. They'll come in and purchase those licenses. I think the best thing would be, one, uh, for me personally, I, I host a show called Bet Online All Access. These companies like DraftKings, FanDuel, look, they're going to go to the battery. They're going to go to downtown Atlanta, and they're going to open up their own branded bars. They're going to open up studios. Atlanta is the epicenter of college basketball, college football. We all know that. Uh, it's a spot where these companies want to be and where they want to invest. So this bill that Roddy just pulled up, uh, it says all of that, but then it also says the tax proceeds go towards the lottery and the Hope Scholarship. You know, I've got three young daughters. I, I'm all Let's for that if yeah. we can if we can continue to bolster that. But at the hey, end of the day, I, these I, are politicians. I'm talking about it right there, Burt Jones. That's one of the politicians I like. He played uh, played safety in Georgia. Yeah. So look, you know, is it going to pass? Is it going to get mucked up with the left and the right? Probably, uh, but it's a win for the state of Georgia from a bottom line perspective. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yep. Um. <laughs> all right. I know we're kind of jumping around with topics up here, but as I was looking at the screen with what Rise got up there, right? I want you to pull up the tweet that I sent you and Bobby today because I see some people saying "Go Vols" over there in our in our comments. Got a couple yep. of Tennessee people checking in. And uh, Tennessee, very fortunately, is giving us a little bit of a little bit of uh, fodder to talk about tonight. All right, how is this even possible? Like, I thought this was a joke. Is this real? Is this real? I, I don't know who Richard G. West is, but I mean, he looks official enough. He's he's tweeting about it. So um, let's just assume for a second that it is. The number of times each NCAA <laughs> investigation last fifteen years. Now, a, a ton listen. For the record, a ton of the Tennessee stuff, Jeremy Pruitt had a lot to do with that. Like, yes. He moved the needle way down the road for them. But the biggest issue, and, and we could talk about the NIL piece this for just a second, but the biggest issue for Tennessee is they're getting hit with these, these words that you never want to hear, which are repeat offenders. Yeah. Um, and if you get hit like two times with level one violation in a five-year period, you could face actual sanctions. Now, the NCA is a toothless tiger for the most part. They don't have subpoena power. They can't make you testify. They can't make you turn anything over. But if they have evidence that they do have, um, if they got your data rights and they can sanction you, you lose scholarships, you lose bowl stuff, you lose. That's when it starts to hurt. And, yeah. And it hurts. So um, I, I don't know. Did y'all see the stuff about the Tennessee stuff today? With It's all NIL related now, which yeah. is for Tennessee. Uh, with the. Was it Lamaleva? Nico Lamaleva. Yeah, Lamaleva. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I butchered that. Yeah, I'll... the qu their quarterback. Let's yes. just call him Nico. Yes. Yeah. I I did you see I it? Heard about it, but okay. I didn't know. I I don't know what the what the whole situation is. Wasn't it just? It was just um um like recruiting violations, right? Yeah, so the collective – so I used to work in the NIL space for the past three years, very familiar with this entire situation. And my social media – I follow a lot of these NIL lawyers and these sports lawyers who are very vocal in the space. 
And it's kind of fascinating what the collective did. The collective has come out and said, we did nothing wrong. We have a paper trail. We've turned it over. Uh, this is completely ridiculous that Tennessee is being dragged into this type of situation. That's why the chancellor, that's why the state attorney general has what filed a lawsuit against the NCAA. But there was a specific clause in this contract that essentially says Hey, this has no relation to where Nico's going to go to school. Um, there is no inducement in this contract. And meanwhile, they're offering him all this money. But behind that legal language, you know, lifts them of the burden of possibly breaking a rule. So who knows what's going to happen? Russ, you hit the nail on the head. The NCAA is a complete toothless tiger. Um, what they're, they're trying to hang on to any shred of, of power that they think they have. No, this is a big nothing burger. I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't, I don't either. And he, and here's why here's what makes me mad. All right. Now we all as Georgia fans, we like to sit here and laugh at Tennessee, laugh at Florida, whatever, but you've got to realize what's happening in the landscape of college football and realize that you could very easily be in the same situation, no matter which team you root for, because the problem I have with this right here, they're hitting with NIL stuff. All right. You, you guys tell me if you can right here. All right. Try to explain to me, Drew, you, you are an expert in this area. What rules have the NCAA set around NIL? Really, the only rules that they have set is that one, NIL cannot be used as a recruiting inducement, meaning, Russ, if you come to the University of Georgia, you get X amount of dollars. That technically is against the rules. Does it happen? Absolutely. Can they enforce it? No, they cannot. The other rule that I think has, has really just, for whatever reason, happened to be followed is that NIL dollars cannot be tied to performance, meaning you cannot sign a deal with Nike and then they say, if you win the Heisman Trophy, we will pay you a $2 million incentive. That is not allowed. The only other rule would be um, is that any NIL deal is essentially guaranteed dollars. So that's why you see a lot of these collectives, a lot of these brands, they do month-by-month -month deals because if you transfer from a school, they just stop the deal and they go, okay, we're done. Um, yeah. But if you sign a deal, you're going to get your money um, based yeah. on the contract that it's written in. So, so the majority of the rules there are – Correct if I'm wrong. Guaranteed payments, not tied to performance, can't be used for recruiting. Correct. That's that's really their only rules, right? That, pretty much. Out. And how do you even so, enforce those? You don't enforce it, and they don't yeah. build any guidelines around None. what they're doing. So the schools are literally playing pin the tail on the donkey in the dark. They don't know what they're trying to do. They don't <laughs> know correct. what they're that's correct. And they can't they can't get there. So Tennessee, look, if you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, there's not a college out there. Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Notre Dame. There's not a big-time college football program right now where if you if you had access to every conversation that was happening, you wouldn't go, eh, that's <laughs> probably not okay. It's just the way it is. Yeah. The, the lines are so crossed between the collectives, the schools, the donors, the boosters. Like, they're, they're, they're all woven in together. They're all blurred. Nobody knows where they start and where they stop. So now the NCAA is trying to pick a spot where they think they've got a big-time person, a big deal, whatever, and they've got them as a repeat offender, and they can go after Tennessee and attack and maybe get somebody. For what purpose? Yeah, it's, Either it's put stupid. rules and guidelines around NIL that says this is how it's going to work, this is what it's going to be, this is what you can and cannot do, or get out of the way. I agree. I mean, so I don't know. I, I actually, I actually hate it for Tennessee, and I hate Tennessee. Tennessee is my <laughs> least favorite team we play. But it's dumb. It's it's stinking dumb. Now the forty-eight violations in the last fifteen years. All right, Tennessee, do better, balls. Like y'all, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's that is crazy. not good. If yeah. you add up every other SEC school and they have less than you, <laughs> you probably have an institutional control problem on some level. <laughs> but the NIL stuff yeah. with the current one, I do think it's bullcrap. But the other forty-seven were probably legit. They looked at all the all the violations. I said, "Let me get one of everything." Um, yeah, that's I, I, insane. Yeah. Forty eight is unbelievable. Yeah, that's crazy. Compared, to, you know, you see the the three at the top there with you know UGA was zero, or Bama was zero, and then what? Vandy was zero. Is that a surprise to anyone? Vandy was zero. Recruiting. Vandy, Vandy or, might need to start breaking a few rules. They yeah, might, yeah, exactly. They exactly. may need to recruit with nil. I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean. So, but, but, you know, you look at where it's at. Yeah, there it is. All right, Van, let's do math here. Zero, 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 one. One plus one is two, four, six, eight. 21. 21. So they doubled up. They doubled up. It's 21. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 21. That's, dang punters.
kicking my butt in math. <laughs> <laughs> if you take everybody else and double their number, they still had less than Tennessee. Yep. So, um, yeah, I don't that's know. crazy. That's, that's crazy. crazy. Absolutely. So, we'll see. Tennessee's going to get hammered for it. I don't know if they'll get hammered. I think I think Drew's right. It's a nothing burger. They may get hammered because of the repeat violator thing. I don't think the NIL piece within itself is going to kill them. You mentioned that Georgia is, you know, allowing sale alcohol sales in the stadium this upcoming season. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I want to hear from from future players or f- former players from the former player's standpoint. Is that something that you're is it going to be bad for, good for, neutral? Like what are we how what's our stance on this? It it will be totally neutral. And here's two reasons why. One, the beer is not going to be cheap. Right. These are not kegs of natty light lined up in the concourses where you can just not have, not have for free. light. They're not no. light set up. You know, it. this is gonna be and and two, first off, it's gonna be expensive, but and it should be. Two, the lines will be so long, right? I mean, you will have to wait in line for a very long time to get that cold beer. So will college kids have 50, 70 bucks to, you know, keep the party going, so to speak? I don't know. And two, you're just not gonna want to keep going back and sitting in line, sitting in line. I don't think it will cause anybody to get more rowdy than possibly they already have been because we all know uh, there are specific ways to kind of skirt the system if you want to keep the party going. But I will say this. I went to the Ole Miss game this last year, night game, cold outside, huge college game day crowd. My wife and I went. uh, We got to get away from the kids. It was awesome. You know, we tailgated. We saw friends. We went downtown. Walking in, I had a cocktail. And you sit there in the second quarter, and you're like, Damn, I wish I had a beer. Like, I just wanted that one beer while I was watching the game, but couldn't have it. Next year, we'll be able to have it. So, I think it's a great win, and it's going to generate a lot of revenue for Georgia revenue. as well. I mean, the R, the R word is what drives everything now, yeah, of right? Course. Revenue, revenue is an aim of the game when it comes to college sports because look at what coaches are being paid. Look at what players are now being paid. Look at what's – it's just – the facilities being built, revenue, revenue, revenue. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to change the atmosphere of the stadium at all. I, I, I've not been to as many games in person as the majority of people who listen here. I would I would wager on that. <laughs> we want our first sports wagers. Um, <laughs> but the few that I've been to, I haven't been to a game yet where I haven't seen somebody pull out a mini bottle of no Jack doubt. in their boot. So maybe it even calms people down because they're going to be drinking beer instead of liquor. I mean, you're <laughs> yeah. drinking the stadium. Yeah. At least now it's just beer, not liquor, and George getting revenue from it. So I don't – yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised it took this long for it to get yeah. passed, to be honest with you. So. I know I know for a fact that the um, the McGill Society concourse that was blocked off on the backside of the stadium for the last two years, that was a big test because it was way more people than just the suites who had access to alcohol. I don't know if it was just beer, if there was beer and liquor in there. But based on that two-year test, that's what allowed them. And I did also know – or I think I knew that once that renovation on the South side is done, that was the plan. Hey, we're going to allow alcohol sales after that. They're widening the concourses. There's more entryways to get in and out of the stadium. Uh, so it seems like it's working according to plan. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's segue into some Mike McDonald conversation. Yeah. Um, big shout out to Mike Mack. That's awesome, yeah. man. I, you know, a little bit of selfishness. I had hoped that he would be the Atlanta Falcons head coach. However, he is going to the Seattle Seahawks, taking taking Pete Carroll's spot. They go from the oldest head coach to the youngest head coach in the NFL. Uh, thoughts on on Mike McDonald? I mean, local guy, you know, good I for guess, him. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a Seahawks fan now, right? Yeah, I know, I for had, sure. I had a buddy ask me this week, like, he's like, man, who do you, who do you pull for with NFL stuff? And maybe it's because just being in Georgia, like I try to be a Falcons fan because of proximity, but it's just you can't be a Falcons fan and it's like be tough. dedicated to that. Like yeah. that's not a good way to be in life. Um, if they're good, I'll follow and pull for them. But I mean, for sure, for the older I get in life, like my allegiances are now tied to relationships more and for more. For sure. So, and it's people that I know. And then like like the the Super Bowl, man, I'm pulling for the 49ers because Charlie Warner's my boy. Like, I love Charlie Warner. He's a great dude who's a friend, and I want them to win, by the way. And oh, by, he did say if they win, he'll come on the show, by the way. That's oh, so there, you go. there you um, go. There you go. We need we need a 49ers win, boys. Um, so I pull for that. So when I get – and I don't know Mike McDonald. I think Drew knows him. Um, I, I didn't know him. I don't know him at all. But the fact that he 
went to high school in the state of Georgia, ended up coaching at Cedar Shoals, I think in like 2010, 2011, came on as a GA at Georgia, coached there for a little bit, then made a jump to the NFL, has been super successful with the Baltimore Ravens, had number one scoring defense in the league this year. He's a 36-year-old guy, UGA alum. I pull for him. I think it's yeah. cool. Um, does it does it hurt a little bit that he did coach for Michigan at all? How, how do you feel about that? Nah, that, that, that no. All right. I mean, all I just those, know Michigan. There's a bad taste in, in your mouth from <laughs> Michigan from this year. So it's not as bad. As, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. All now right. that Harbaugh's left, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not mad at him anymore. Yeah, no. he, I mean, huge congrats to Mike McDonald, uh, a buddy of mine. He was a GA at Georgia when I was on the team back in, you know, I think you said 09, 10, 11. And he's got a fascinating story. If you go to my Twitter, at Drew Butler, I, I had him on my podcast over the summer before football season started. And we just asked him, like, how did you get into coaching? It's a fascinating story. He was in a fraternity at Georgia. He went to Centennial High School. And he needed to do community service. So he knew one of the coaches at Cedar Shoals went to the school and said, hey, I need to get community service hours. You know, I was a linebacker in high school. Can I help coach the linebackers? That was his entry in to coaching. And then he says, hey, I was going to this Starbucks. Todd Grantham started coming to this Starbucks. I essentially started stalking him, uh, bugging him. Can I come be an intern? I'll be an unpaid intern. Um, and he tells the story. He's like, I was an unpaid intern for a year, and then I earned my way to get uh, a GA spot at UGA under Grantham, and then he just started climbing the ranks. He was an intern at Baltimore, and then John Harbaugh calls up Jim Harbaugh. Hey, this kid's pretty good, and I actually played against the Ravens a couple of times when I was in the NFL, would always hang out with Mike and see him pregame. So he was a position coach, and then Jim Harbaugh hired him to be the defensive coordinator at Michigan. That's when Michigan took their big rise on defense, and then Jim passed him right back to John, and now he's a head coach. Uh, I heard he crushed his interviews. And 36 years old, I mean, getting that contract, the Seahawks have a ton of youth on defense as well. Uh, I agree with Russ. I'm definitely a Seahawks fan now. It's just so cool uh, to see Mike McDonald at 36 get that opportunity. That's so sick. Yeah, It's funny to me how the pendulum of what these NFL guys want swings back and forth. As these offenses become more prolific, as you realize, hey, I don't have Patrick Mahomes. I don't have – Josh Allen. I don't have whoever. There's only, uh, again, five or six quarterbacks in the world that are the elite of the elite. So if you don't have one of those guys, you better start figuring out a way to stop. Yeah, it. how to neutralize that for how sure. To neutralize that. So you're seeing defensive guys get hired more and more now as a way to try to figure out how to stop these offenses because, you know, if your plan is to outscore Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to win a lot of football games. you got to better slow him down, so. Dude, uh, the, the Chiefs only had three points in the second half last week. Like Mike McDonald and that Baltimore Ravens defense, which was the number one scoring defense in the NFL, they only, they held the Chiefs to 17 points. Yep. For whatever reason, the Ravens were playing like they were down 35 to 10 the whole game, throwing the ball, chucking it downfield. I was like, what are they doing? But, uh, yeah, fascinating. So congrats to Mike McDonald. That's so awesome. Yep. Yeah. So I'm excited for him, but you know, but yeah. So now you got these young. You had you know five or six years ago, McVeigh, the hot young offense coordinator, getting the job. Marist now, High School. Yeah, there you go, another Georgia kid. And then the same thing's happening the other way now. The hot young defensive, defensive guys. Guy. Getting it. So I, know. I didn't know the story about he uh, didn't wasn't a coach didn't from pedigree or something like that before. The oh no, I mean just it, it just fascinating. And it, I think one of the things that puts him above the rest. So I've heard is that he's very very smart. He's like borderline brilliant. Um, and that's what just allows him to come up with these new schemes, relate to these young players, and I, I'm rooting for him. It'll be really cool to see who he gets on his staff because you would think he's got a pretty good Rolodex of having been around some great college and NFL guys for a long time. Yeah, I, I like seeing a lot of these younger guys getting getting these you know coaching roles. You, you look around the league and you see you know some young. It, it's you know, there's still the Bill Belichick's in the league, but they're they're kind of they're on their way out. You know, it's um it's good to see a lot of these young guys. Mike McDonald. Um, you look at um Sean McVay. You mentioned uh Lafleur up there with Green Bay. Oh, yeah, it's just it's really cool to see. So here's the yeah. best part about being a coach, right? Aside from having no life, aside from having no free time. Uh, if you're in college, having to deal with 18 to 22 year olds, if you're in the NFL, having to deal with if you lose a game, you might get fired. That money's guaranteed. And I'm not taking anything away from Mike McDonald. 
Uh, but Danny Smith, who was the special teams coordinator for the Steelers when I was there, he always used to stay in meetings, and it was more so during training camp. He'd stop the meeting and be like, listen, guys, if you don't want to listen to me, th- that that's fine. He goes, they can fire me. I'm getting paid for three more years. I've got a beach house in South Carolina. He goes, if you guys get cut, you don't get a paycheck next week. He goes, you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to. I mean, that's the beauty of being a coach. You sign these deals, you're getting that money. So good for him. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about NFL guys getting cut with the money. Here's here's a story for the contracts. And it's a specialist, so Drew will appreciate it. When uh, I was an undrafted free agent with the Colts. Did you know that? Yeah, you were with the Colts? Yeah, yeah you, you told me the story, told the story about snapping to Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah, and I saw the first time I saw Peyton, he was naked. No, I did not know about that. <laughs> All right. That's another that's a different that's a different story. That's a different story. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's the other hogs and dogs. There right. That's, a, yeah, that's yeah. a different that's yeah. a different show. That's a different yeah. So when I was with the Colts for those couple of months I was there for my career. Yeah. Um, the long snapper's name was Justin Snow. Oh yeah, he played forever, dude. <laughs> so he was a tight end, but it really he was a long snapper, but he played with the tight end some. And he had been on at this point, he'd have been like 12 years in the league. I think, you know, going like 15 or 16 years in the league. Yeah. And some of the young guys were getting on him one day. They're like, Snow, did you sign another one-year deal? He's like, yep. Was your one-year deal for league minimum? He's like, yep. They're like, bro, you've been league 11 or 12 years. You need to go negotiate. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, league minimum for a 12-year event is like $1.5 million a year. He said, my goal is to make sure that no coach over there even knows my name. I want him to say, hey, who, where's that snapper at? 48, get out of there. Smart man. Smart and he rolled man. like 15 years in the league just snapping the ball, jogging off the field, and holding the clipboard for somebody. That's brilliant. Good for him. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the recipe right there, and he obviously did it the right way. I was about to say, he probably still has everything intact up here and down here and everywhere else, So yep. and made a boatload of money. So good yep. for him. Good for him. All right, let's yeah, go ahead. I was about to say, let's stick on this Baltimore uh, Baltimore Ravens right. conversation a little bit. Russ had this uh, this idea, Roddy. If you can pull up uh, the video, right? Did you tell Roddy to play this video? Of, Which video? Uh, Justin Tucker. Oh yes. Yeah. Now that we got a kicker on here. Yes. All right. You. I know you've seen the clip. Yes. So last week, if you if you to give this the the uh, whatever the background to it. So Justin Tucker starts going, but I don't I don't really know pregame where kickers can line up and kick the ball from. And I don't know why because y'all are all over the field, so I don't ever get it. But <laughs> he set up in front of Patrick Mahomes where Mahomes was doing his drops. And Mahomes kind of moves his stuff out of the way and he sets it back up again. And then Travis Kelsey gets up. And if if we got the clip coming a minute, we'll see it. But uh yeah, I don't know, man. The the kickers are the kickers are poking the bear a little bit. Yeah, when this happened, my phone was blowing up. Just group texts, guys are being like, what the hell's going on? And, and I can confidently say Justin Tucker is 100% in the wrong here. Okay. I've, I've never seen a kicker line up a ball on the goal line like that. He's kicking extra points from the goal lines? Much less on the opposite side of the field. So obviously this is the Chiefs end of the field, right? So Mahomes is there doing his thing, and Tucker goes and puts his helmet, T footballs right next to where Mahomes and Kelsey are. I don't even know how his coaches allowed him to do that, but the mutual respect part of what you're talking about, Russ is like when Tucker's doing what he's doing, stretching, you stay out of the way, like get out of the way. Uh, (laughs) But then when you do start actually kicking snap, hold kick and you're charting it pregame, those guys will stay out of your way. So I have no idea what the hell he's doing setting up there. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Mahomes essentially stuff him in a locker and then they go out and beat him. So it's just a bad look for the kicker community. Um, and if you hear what Tucker said after the game, he's like, you know, I'm willing to let it go. Well, of course, dude, because you were the one in the wrong. So I, I don't know. Bad look. I mean, bad look. I mean Drew, Drew knows. He, he's caught. He's He's been on the side of having to defend kickers for a long time because kickers catch a lot of crap from the guys as a whole. The people like Drew that are normal, cool people and are kickers in life, there are not many of them. There's a lot of strange birds that are kickers. So whenever they do something, they're like, come on, bro. Like, Pat I McAfee, what's his name? Fourth brand. Like, you're killing – you're not for the brand right now. Uh, one of my favorites is when I when I was first in Arizona, like for the first five weeks when I was in Arizona, um, I'd play on Sundays. They would cut me on Mondays, and they'd bring me up to practice squad, re-sign me on Fridays. It's just what I did for a roster spot. Um, until I, I, I sign my full contract. So when I'm on practice squad, we're, you're using up a spot on practice squad. So they're like, Hey, Butler, 
you, you have to be a practice squad safety. And I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Whatever. You know, I'm over there hanging out with the guys and uh, all the equipment managers were doing funny stuff, like putting visors on my helmets and giving me all the wristbands. I mean, I look like a complete idiot, <laughs> uh, but you're just doing cards, right? Russ, like I'm in the, I'm there and they're like, all right, cover two, just go stand over here. Uh, cover three, you rotate in the middle or whatever. And like Bruce Arians, who was calling the offensive plays. I remember this one time he was like, Number two, because I'd been there for like four days, and I'm sitting in the defensive backfield. He's like, Butler? He's like, if you get within five yards of Larry Fitzgerald, I will cut you right here on the spot. I was like, yes, sir. I'll just – I won't move. I'll just stand right here. <laughs> out of the way, kicker. Yeah, out of just way. Do your stay job. out of the way. Absolutely. Well, Kelsey and Mahomes did go on and do it. We don't talk about Kelsey, although I was I actually love the Jason Kelsey back to Buffalo, the dude taking his shirt off, jumping in the snow. Yeah, I don't care at all about Taylor Swift, so I just want to have to talk about that. But the Chiefs did win. So where are we at for the Super Bowl now? Because the 49ers, 49ers are the betting favorite, right? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. they're a slight favorite on there. I'm pulling for the 49ers. My, the rest of my family pulls for the Chiefs because they're bandwagon fans that have jumped on my home bandwagon the last few years. I'm pulling for the 49ers because of Charlie Warner mainly. Yeah. He's my buddy, want him to win. But I don't know what, what who y'all taking? Who y'all got in the Super Bowl? I mean, you said Charlie Warner would come on the show if the 49ers won. So right. I, I'm all 49ers at this point. Like, I I didn't say who do you want to win. Who do you think is going to win? Oh, 49ers. Okay. They got to. There's just something happening with Kansas City right now um, that you, you can't yeah. look away from. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit Kelsey'd out as well, Russ. I, I couldn't really care less about the Taylor Swift thing, like whatever. I will say, if you have Amazon Prime, Go watch the Jason Kelsey documentary. It's awesome. Your wife will love it. Uh, it's actually a really good documentary following him last year. But Patrick Mahomes is 10-1-1 one one against the spread as an underdog. He's won nine games outright as an underdog. Think about the games he's lost in the playoffs. It was the overtime game against Tom Brady and the Patriots when the Patriots won the Super Bowl against the Rams in Atlanta. Um, and then it was that amazing ASC championship game that they lost against Joe Burrow in the Bengals. Like this dude just puts it together. And I will say it's fascinating because it's so much different from the chiefs teams that we've seen in the past. This team's built on defense. Like yep. they have a very good defense. Kelsey has suddenly turned it on, which is obviously a problem for everybody else. <sighs> I, I just I would love for Charlie Warner to win as well. And Robert Beal and Chris Conley, who I played with at Georgia, my teammate who's on the 49ers. Obviously, you got um who Malik Herring and Mikal Hardman on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are gonna win. Wow. I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, as much as I want the 49ers to win, the Chiefs have won in the last few years. I'm fine with them winning. I don't dislike the Chiefs. But I pull for the 49ers. I like the style of a little bit more. But man, Mahomes in the playoffs, if if it's a one score game within the last four or five minutes and he gets the ball, you're losing. And think about this too. Like, think about the the style of play to get here. Uh the Niners backdoor beat the Packers, thankfully. Um, then they're down 24 to 7 last week against the Lions. And think about all the breaks that they got. The ball off the face mask, fumbles, drop passes, fourth down decisions. Like the Niners were gifted that game a week ago. And then you compare it to the Chiefs. I forget who they beat in the wild card round. And then they turn around and go to Buffalo, beat the Bills. Then they go to Baltimore, beat the Ravens. So you have to say that obviously the Chiefs are in much better form. They're battle tested. Uh, and they've got all the belief in the world that they can take on the 49ers for sure. Niners, the Niners have, you know, a pretty good defense too. You mentioned the Chiefs having a good defense. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it, this game will probably, I don't even know what it will come down to because every single time I say it's going to, you know, come down to whether Brock Purdy's able to, you know, throw the football, whether he's able to find, you know, Brandon Ayuk and some of these other guys, it ends up being Christian McCaffrey who goes crazy or it's, it's always yeah. the opposite of whatever I say, but it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's just, I, I, the 49ers, they look like when they're on, they're the most dominant team yeah, in the NFL. They are. And, and they, they've gone on this, you know, this little cold streak right now. They're, there's on a bit of a skid. Um, so I don't know. It's it's definitely it's going to be an interesting Super Bowl for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't have a huge dog in that fight, so I'm not passionate yeah. about it. I want to watch it. But now, Roddy, Roddy, pull it back up. <laughs> pull what you just had back up because we we glaze over this. People who are like my age and Drew's probably, let's see, what are you like, 35, 36, Drew? Yeah, I'll be 35 in May. 
so you're right there. But like when I see Usher is a halftime performer, like do you even know Usher? Yeah, I know Usher. U S H E R. Oh yeah, people uh, Usher's of my age like that moves the needle for us. I'm gonna be excited about that. It's like a few years ago. Ludacris played at G-Day, one of Kirby's first G-Days here. Luda played in Sanford Stadium. Terrible quality of sound, by the way. They didn't have a good stage set up for him. But we're up there in the stands watching. Our kids are up there. And, you know, it comes on. And uh, my wife and I are singing Ludacris. And my, <laughs> my little girl was like, y'all know this song? Oh, like, yeah. Dude, this song is kind of why you're here. So uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't make oh, that a real, man. by the way. My wife I love that. Exactly that. I love yeah. that. Dude, so Usher's going to bring the house down. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about Usher going. So, yeah. That'll uh, be great. That'll so, be we awesome. got that going on. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl. How, long, how much time we got, Bobby? Dude, Vegas, got Vegas is going to be insane. I mean, look, the, the, the game is in Vegas. Uh, I, Kyle Brandt, who's on Good Morning Football, which is a show that I watch every morning. He works for NFL Media. He was saying, like, what's the over-under on NFL media personnel who are going to get in trouble in Vegas, whether they get arrested, whether they get in trouble for, you know, getting caught up in the wrong stuff. Like, there are just way too many vices for these media types who don't really have that much temptation usually during a Super Bowl week. I mean, it is going to be supercharged in Vegas. I I'm interested to see what happens for sure. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great Super Bowl week, no It'll doubt. Be a great Super Bowl week. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we we'll only have like two or three minutes left, Drew. All right, we have not rehearsed these, so let's try to hit him like three or four rapid fires. Okay. I can start, and then you get something together. All, All right, right, go ahead. So this this got to be quick, Drew. All, All right. right. What is your favorite road game you ever played in while you're at Georgia? Uh, Tennessee, my senior year, it was Coach Rick's 100th victory at Georgia. Coach Rick was on a couple weeks ago, by the way. That's really in Knoxville. Awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. Right. Most memorable punt. Most memorable punt. Uh, I had a really good one against Arkansas in 2009. It was a classic Saturday night game, Ryan Mallett versus Joe Cox. And then um, probably the one most people remember me for was the one I kicked to Honey Badger in the SEC championship, which he returned for a touchdown. <laughs> but he let the ball go before the goal line, so we all know that happened. That didn't count, yeah. And then uh, strongest strongest leg in their prime in the Butler household. <sighs> Got to be dad. I mean, obviously, uh, he had a huge leg, and and uh, the, the highlights that I always see prove that to be true. So his last kick ever at Georgia was a 72-yarder they attempted against Florida State in the Citrus Bowl, and it missed by, like, that much. It's crazy. That's wild. That's yeah. unbelievable. All right, do you have one more for him? I, I was going to – somebody asked about your barbecue review, so I was yeah. hoping we were going to get to a little bit of that. You got your Fox, bro. What What's that? Yeah, shit? so uh, it's the – let's see if I can get on it. There you go. Fox Brothers Barbecue, Brookhaven, GA. Went to the Brookhaven, right? So we started doing the, the reviews, obviously. Our, our fans know about that on my on my personal Facebook and Instagram page. And I made a comment about people from Gwinnett didn't know anything about barbecue. Yeah. They're like, bro, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, Drew and our buddy Clint Bowling, um, they said they want to take me to Fox Brothers in Atlanta. And I had been to Fox Brothers a long time ago. But they opened up a new one in Brookhaven. And we went up there and met the brothers, yeah. Jonathan and Justin. Yep. I think that's their name. That's right, yeah. And um. Drew had some connection with them. They're new ones, like counter style, where they serve right there. It's awesome, and Drew. It's so mean, good. They did it. They so did it up big time. Really? Yeah, they hooked us up. Uh, it was great. Fox Brothers is, is my favorite barbecue here here in the Atlanta area. Uh, those guys are awesome. Their Texas style is top notch. And yeah, Greeny David Green was on that review with with Russ. Russ was chirping him a little bit, and I love David Green. Uh, he's been a great mentor to me. I mean, Russ and Greeny, like these are the guys. When I was growing up, I mean, I was in the Dome 02 SEC championship game, you know, Georgia super fan. So that's the beauty of Georgia football is it is a true brotherhood. Now I get to hang out with Greeny. Now I get to hang out with Russ, guys that, you know, I grew up idolizing. Uh, so it's just really cool. Yeah. And it, and it was cool. I, you know, I love, you know, I love the old school Georgia stuff, the the Holcombs, the Crows, the Finchers. I love all these old school Georgia places, but the stuff that guys like Fox Rose are doing, this Texas style, kind of a new age thing. Their food was amazing. It was great. And we had a lot of fun together eating with them up there. So, uh, yeah, they, yeah. And they, they were on college game day the next day for the SEC championship. And yep. what did he text us after Georgia lost? He goes, he I'm never, never doing it again. he goes, I will never take the game day invite ever again. I think he's 0 and 2 or 0 and 3. He's like, oh, no. he goes, I'll never do it again. So that was pretty funny. Yep. That's brutal. Well, Drew Butler. 
man, I appreciate you. You're a, you're a, one of the best dogs that have ever done it and a great dude. You know, the, uh, the heritage of, of bulldog legacy that runs through your veins is a great one. And uh, you did your family, your dad proud and still are. And uh, we're really glad that you joined us tonight, my brother. Man, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks to Roddy and UGA Sports as well. I got my start from Roddy. I was still playing in the NFL. He let me host Dog Dial on Monday nights when I was still living in Arizona. I used to write a couple articles a week on UGA Sports. And I still check out the dog vent uh, daily. I want to see what the Georgia faithful are talking about. I want to get my inside intel. So huge shout out to Roddy. Appreciate everybody. You ever post on Dogman, or do you only lurk? You know, I only lurk. I've posted a couple of times uh, if I have some inside intel, but um, you know, I don't hide. My my username's Drew Butler, so there you go. Yeah. I had one this week, man. I posted this week asking about barbecue recommendations, and I think there were like ninety six different places. Oh yeah, the guy got. Recommended said so dog rent. You can go there for Georgia football and barbecue. You can go there for anything. Anything's in there. Well, yeah. Well, thanks, Drew. Thanks for coming on. Um, you know, fans, thanks for tuning in for another show, another dogs and hogs. Um, yeah, it's been a great episode. We'll be back next Wednesday. Dogs and hogs every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Drew, thanks again for coming on. And Russ, as always, go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks.